Welcome back to Don't Be Strangers, a social experiment and community of wholesome conversations that focuses on deepening connections through stories of everyday people. I'm your host, Shinyi, and I typically meet my co-host for the very first time while recording. If this sounds fun to you, please consider applying to co-host a future episode. In case you didn't know, Don't Be Strangers also has its own e-pen pals club as well as a public Discord server where anyone can come through to chat. And with new teammates who have so graciously volunteered to share their time in growing this community, I'm super excited to see where Don't Be Strangers will grow from here. While I'm no longer actively seeking to expand our team at the moment, if you want to contribute in any way, please don't be shy to reach out and say hi. You never know how we could potentially collaborate. Today, I'm chatting with Viveka Chow, who is a New York City-based influencer and actress who is full of zeal and bursting with life. My first impression of her says that she's someone who truly enjoys life, and I feel like you can hear it in the way she speaks and the energy in her voice. Get ready for a treat as we dive into topics such as how to respond when people say I love you, Vivica's art and its connection to healing, how she got into acting, zombie apocalypses, and cultural shocks between America and Hong Kong. With that, please meet Vivica. Hello, my name is Vivica, Vivica Chow, and I was originally born and raised in Hong Kong, and I've currently lived in New York City for six years. Oh my gosh, yeah. Six years, and I am a full-time actor and content creator slash influencer. And I won't bore you with my life story, but uh, my main purpose and my why, I guess, into why I'm a creative is because I really want to empower and heal the world through my creativity. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. So everything I do, it's kind of filled with that motive, I guess, in mind. Um, And it just makes me uh, feel like I am a bit more connected to my artistry. (laughs) Oh, that's beautiful. I've, yeah, I really love the emphasis on healing. So yeah, and I actually would love to dig in more into your your life story, but maybe, maybe in a second. Yeah, absolutely. So my first question for you, I've been listening to your podcast and something that I really admire is kind of like the really thought-provoking questions that you ask your co-hosts. And it really makes me uh, feel motivated to carry out these conversations because I'm someone who really values uh, deep connections and deep conversations. So this was kind of a question that got inspired after I listened to your first episode. And I guess my question is when someone says, I love you, like, do you always say it back or what is your response? I think it really depends on context because (laughs) I feel like that changes a lot. Generally speaking, I think I do always say I love you back because if someone is going to say that to me, then I wouldn't really want to reject that. It it also depends. Okay. So context and intention, right? Like Mm. if you're saying it, because you're like creepy and trying to hit on me then like probably (laughs) not you know but if you're like if you have good intentions and you're like I am a human being connecting with another human being and I love you as like part of this human experience then of course I'm going to say it back to you and then I feel like there's different layers of love as well and I I hate that the the word love itself encompasses such a broad spectrum of ideas that I wish that mm-hmm. like we had more specific vocabulary for explaining like what kind of love but generally speaking I do want to encompass compassion for humanity mm-hmm. and hence like the mission behind my project and therefore if someone's going to say that they love me, then like, yes, I want to love you back. <laughs> like, mm. you know, platonically. Because I, I really seek and I really love the idea of brotherhood and sisterhood and chosen family. And so in my ideal world, like everyone would be my brother and everyone would be my sister. Like I would mm. say like, hey, sis, like what's up? And like mean it like you are my sister and I support you like a sister. And that like, you know, if you were ever in Dallas, I would be able to like house you because it's like, no duh, like you're my sister, maybe not by blood, but like through this extension. So yeah, that's my response. And now I'm really curious Wait, to that's, know that's yours. so beautiful and wholesome. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like you're really, that was so simple and straightforward. And I actually really love that a lot. I'm, I'm an overthinker. So for me, unfortunately, I am like, I, there have been instances where I can't say 
I love you back, even though I know it's said with a good intention from the other person. Um, And it's received with love, of course. But sometimes like, I just feel like if I were to say, I love you too, or, you know, I love you back for me, it feels like it has to be this, like, I would give you my kidney love. And I think I'm personally just overcomplicating this. <laughs> no, but it's so it's so funny because it's just so different for everybody. You know, like I, I literally have some friend that she can't even say like, uh, I love you back. I remember I clearly said I love you at, at one point and she literally was like, thank you. <laughs> like she said, thank you. And I thought that was like so bizarre, but so endearing. And I was like, wait a minute. Would you mind sharing? And if you if you don't want to, that's totally fine. Like more context for like the situations where you felt like you just couldn't say it back. I guess since I'm an actor, I come from a very vibrant musical theater world, acting world. And I feel like the phrase I love you is sometimes thrown around with like an ulterior motive, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. sometimes it kind of it's kind of like, oh, love you. But like, there's no like deeper connection. If if it's like I've met this person once, and like love you comes out, and it makes honestly makes me feel a bit uncomfortable because it's just like the I guess like the notion of it being so casually used. And I guess like for me, like it's not a casual phrase. I think that's where it kind of comes from, and it kind of just is like a thing that I've noticed for myself is because I'm in that situation a lot. I just don't know how to react. I freeze up and I'm like, I'm awkward. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I completely empathize with that. I think I understand because I used to be the type of person who personally also thought that the phrase I love you is sacred and should only be used in like a sacred context Mm -hmm. so much that I even told myself that if if I ever ended up in a like romantic relationship that I would use it sparingly Mm. but like I feel like that's kind of silly in that Mm -hmm. context because I think the reason why I thought I would use it sparingly is because I didn't want to desensitize the weight of the phrase right Mm -hmm. like if you use it every single day like three times a day then that's not going to mean as much versus like you say it once a year or something ridiculous like that. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, if it's true, then why can't you say it? Like, why can't you say it like all the time if it is still true? And I also believe in the positive feedback loop of love. So mm. like by saying that I love you, I am kind of encompassing this idea, kind of filling my soul with it and then I say it and then it's kind of like the chicken and the egg analogy where it's like by saying it I'm like generating more of that feeling for myself and when I'm like generating that feeling then it's easier for me to say and so nowadays I'm just like yes I want to be full of love and I want to be able to like give this love so there's no there's no use in trying to minimize it and also I think it's complicated by the fact that like we grew up in like an Asian upbringing yeah. and I I, I feel like there's, yeah, it's like very rare to see or the usage of love or even like physical affection and yeah. stuff. So I think there's also that like cultural layer in this discussion. Yeah, absolutely. I think the verbalization of like, I love you, it feels so like, I mean, really for a lot of people in the Asian community, it's like you get that phrase like twice you know, in a very long time. And I feel like it's definitely, for me, it's stemmed from that a lot too. Even though my parents are kind of like a bit more non-traditional, but I still feel like their love is encompassed in like in like acts of services, you know, as opposed to like, like a verbal, like word of affirmation, for sure. Yeah, I kind of want to like hop back to what you were talking about your purpose and why for what you do as a content creator, influencer slash like actress. First of all, thank you for representing us Asian females yeah. in this industry. <laughs> like I love to see it. But yeah, I would love for you to elaborate more on like why the word healing of all things. Like how did you arrive at that and how long have you felt comfortable being able to say this? Like, when did you crystallize this idea of your purpose? And how long have you been using this particular idea for? Mm, Probably, I want to say around two years. I think I've really started my personal development journey, like 
two years ago. And that was when I had this epiphany. And that was when I actually started my influencer journey as well, because I felt that my acting career was really great, but it didn't like, I couldn't pinpoint, you know, like why I loved it so much. Like I, I love it so freaking much, but I was just like, there has to be kind of like a bit more substance to like why I love it. And there absolutely is. So I figured that out because I was really drawn to art in general or, you know, visual art uh, in any medium, like shows, TV shows. And I kind of was thinking about why I, you know, turned to art itself. And for me, it's something healing. It's because I I get really affected by the state of the world. Um, I'm a very sensitive person. I carry that very proudly, but it also comes with a lot of, you know, moments where it feels a lot. And something that I've we've all noticed is, I mean, I don't want to speak on behalf of the world, but you know, the world is so divided. And so I just hope in the works that I do and in the videos that I make and the content I put out, I want, I want everyone to kind of, you know, be a bit more empathetic. And I think healing starts from empathy. No, I really love the word empathy because I feel like that's something that resonates with me really deeply. And that's something that if, if people ask me the question, like, what's one thing that you could change about the world? It's that like, I wish that there was greater empathy and that there was greater trust. And I feel like trust and empathy just kind of goes hand in hand because I feel like it would, as you mentioned, like the division that we have between you know all aspects of life Mm -hmm. and this world would be really resolved through yeah trust and empathy yeah yeah. I think so too I think so too (laughs) I have hope though like I feel like with each conversation you know whether it's a heated debate on Facebook or you know between friends I, I really do think this can be achieved as long as you know no one gets defensive and you're just kind of, you know, speaking your own truth. No one's right or wrong, in my opinion. I just think that we're all going through different things. And in, as a result, we kind of have different truths and realities that we live in. And all our beliefs are shaped by that. So how did you get into acting? I got into acting when I was nine. I was, I was in my first like musical. It was called Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, and I was in the kids ensemble. So from the moment you rehearse a show and opening night, there's like you know you rehearse in a rehearsal room, and then you kind of like transition to being on stage, and that's what we call tech. And in that process, it's like when you first step on stage and you kind of space out the numbers and stuff and the lights. It's about the lights and you know all the intricacies of the show. I just remember when the lights turned on and I stood under those lights, I just felt literal electricity, literal electricity flowing through my veins. And oh my God, I'm getting like goosebumps as I'm like talking about it because it's just, I remember this feeling so vividly and I just knew it was a feeling that was so indescribable. I just knew, I just knew that this was what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And from that, I went to musical theater school for college And yeah, I haven't stopped doing the thing. And now I'm a bit more focused on TV and film, but I still have such a deep passion for theater and love going to see shows. Yeah. Wow, I'm so jealous because honestly, I don't, I feel like it's pretty rare for people to kind of be struck with that sort of electricity to know like so deeply that this is what they want to do and you finding that out at like nine. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I've, honestly always been kind of the person to throw around really random questions (laughs) kind of out of nowhere so if we were struck with a zombie apocalypse tomorrow you know like what do you what do you think you would excel in (laughs) that's the first part of my question and do you think you'd be more of a follower or a leader Okay, I kind of hate this question just because, like, the idea of, like, a zombie <laughs> apocalypse, like, I, I'm pretty sure I would just die first. <laughs> like, Wait, the same. <laughs> like, I feel like I would just die first because I'm not very competitive and I'm just, like, God, like, I feel like there would just be so much, like, fear and anxiety because I hate anything horror or suspense. So to, like, mm. have that situation in real life, to know that I could have a literal jump scare of, like, a zombie outside my door or something like that, like, 
I don't think I would be able to persist. <laughs> like, no, because like, I, I already can't do it in entertainment, you know, like to think that like it would be in real life. Yeah. Right, right, right. But, <laughs> but you know, you never know until it happens, like what my what skills will actually come in useful. I will say though, regarding the question about being a follower or a leader, I prefer to be a follower, but if there's not good leadership in place, then I tend to step up and then I'm just like, oh God, I'm leading. <laughs> so this is this has happened a lot where like I love collaboration. I love bringing people together for projects. And so, uh, and I get really excited about creative projects. It's something I'm very passionate about. So then I'm like, oh, I have this idea. And I know that like you have these certain talents and then I know my other friend has talents and I just want to like bring everyone together um, and start this project. And then we do. And then I find myself in a position of leadership, not because I intended it, but because like I was the person who gathered everyone. And so everyone's like, you are the common link. And so now we are waiting for you to tell us what to do next. And I'm just like, oh my God, I don't want to tell anyone what to do next. Like this was supposed to be a collaboration in like my ideal world. We would all be like, you know, the the distribution of power would not be like 100% me and everyone else is following, but like, you know, 100% divided by like the number of people in the room and we would all have equal say. But yeah, that, that's something that happens, I think, with frequency is that like I end up in like roles of leadership, but like I don't necessarily enjoy it. But what I do enjoy is bringing people together and I feel like it's kind of tied together. Like yeah. if I bring people together, then people are going to like look at me in a as the organizer role. yeah exactly, exactly and I'm just like no can someone help me please <laughs> yeah. you're like yeah. I want everyone to get together but don't want to tell people what to do <laughs> exactly. Exactly. totally I I love this mission so much of don't be strangers I just love it like it, it's just so wholesome and pure and I know you're in correct me if I'm wrong you're in Heck, please correct me if yes, I'm wrong. I am. Yeah, yeah. I'm okay. So I'm so curious. Like, it's very evident that you're a very creative person and collaborative person. Do you ever think about going creative full time? I would love to go creative full time, but at the same time, I would think I would hate going creative full time. Oh. Uh, let me explain. Yeah, so please. I've always told myself that I. I couldn't go creative full-time because I hate the idea of working for clients. My art and my identity is very intricately tied. So if you have feedback on my art, then I feel like you're attacking me personally, like my soul. Um, so I've I've done commissions in the past where but then like gone feedback where it's like, oh can you change the color of this? Can you like do this or that? And my reaction is always like didn't you hire me because you wanted my expertise? So why are you trying mm -hmm. to like drive this? So I think a couple of years ago, I completely stopped taking commissions. I'm just like, I, I don't do commissions. The last time I actually did a commission, I interviewed the client like, like two or three rounds. And then I was like, okay, you're cool. I want to be your friend. So I'll work for you. Yeah. So the reason why I'm in tech is because I don't feel personally tied to my code. I'm a software developer. And so I feel more like a student and it gives me more grace in this respect because if someone gives me feedback, I'm just like, okay, sure. Like, I don't know anything. I can change that. I can redo all of it. Like, that's fine by me so that's like the reason why I haven't gone full-time creative but I think in my dream life like I would go full-time with don't be strangers like I've been kind of like journaling about this and like meditating on it and in a couple of years if everything falls into place like it would be so damn cool to be able to do this full time to have like a team where I have the abundance to be able to pay and pay well and that we would be able to like do events in person like all over the world so that people can like connect because currently it's primarily a virtual community and I've started like trying to do physical city chapters there's so many people in New York so you're just another like plus one in the don't be strangers mm -hmm. in New York community 
But yeah, I think it would be really fantastic because I've gotten a lot of feedback where it's just like, I would love a Don't Be Strangers retreat. And I'm like, I have no idea what that means, but I would love that So it's just a, it's just a matter of logistics. But as I'm generating sub projects off of this brand and idea, because it started as a podcast and then it like expanded into a pen pals club, into this Discord server. As of like two or three months ago, I've started doing events, like virtual events. And I just like literally today, a couple hours ago, I just got off a call with a coffee shop in Dallas. And so I'll have my first like in-person event, like in collaboration with this coffee shop in October. And so, yeah, I feel really excited. And it's always like really rewarding to hear feedback from people like you who say that like they resonate with this. And yeah, it makes me, it makes me think that like, Yes, like if I were to go down a creative path, this would be the closest to like a creative path because anything else in the periphery, like photography, editing, digital illustrations, designs, like I just kind of want to keep that fun for myself. And then if I find specific people, projects or clients that I really want to like vibe with and like collaborate on, then maybe, but that would be more of like the exception versus the norm. But yeah, like kudos to everyone who does creative stuff for a living, because I'm just like, how do you like disassociate your art from critique and feedback? It's really interesting. Actually, I love listening to you talk about that, because when you said you did commissions and what you didn't like was when I guess like a client was back backseat driving. Do yeah. you consider yeah. that not collaboration? I well, I think it depends on the extent of like the context for the 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 project. I think in that particular instance, they were like, "Oh, you can do whatever you want." Like they literally said that up front. So then I, I did see, and I then they they switched it up on you, and they were like, yeah. "Just and kidding." Then I was, <laughs> yeah, and I was like excuse you <laughs> yes yeah, so, okay, okay, but, okay, like, okay. but if the context was like okay I'm gonna you're gonna pay me and I'm gonna help you and we're gonna like go through this step by step thanks to that particular client I changed my process a bit to to make sure that I'm like touching base more often along the way I think it depends yeah, that on makes more sense yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you're right. Context is important. Okay. That, no, I just, that kind of popped up in my head. I was like, hmm, I have to ask that. Yeah, I don't know. Like with criticism, I mean, it's always going to be hard, especially in the realm of acting. You know, it's so, the thing is, it's so subjective. Like there is no like one way to do it. And the thing is like some people like my stuff and some people don't. And I think it's just, you have, the most important thing is you have to like your stuff. And like, that's all that matters. Yeah. So I guess I just kind of go off of that. And if I feel like there's something I need to criticize myself on, you know, in like a healthy way where there's room for improvement, I'll do that. But otherwise, like, you know, like I feel, I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good about my skill sets and I'm just going to, you know, hone in on that and like trust myself that, you know, like my voice is the voice that is the voice that is in my head. So yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and such like I feel like what you pointed out with like it's important to like your own stuff and that's what really matters like I completely I completely agree <laughs> yeah because when you like it you're fueling yourself for more inspiration too you know like you're filling your cup if you love what you do you know like it's just going to kind of like keep keep coming to you and it's going to feel like more natural you know if you do it for yourself really yeah I also wanted to know, so kind of like jumping topics again, moving between Hong Kong and America, like what, what, what were some of like the biggest cultural shocks you experienced? And then like your favorite aspects of each culture and how you've kind of like integrated them into who you are today, being someone who's, yeah, lived in America for six years, but like had the majority of their upbringing in Hong Kong. Yeah, that's a very interesting question. I'll answer the culture shock one first because that's easy. The shoes (laughs) in the house. That was the biggest culture shock for me. I did not understand why, why people wore their shoes indoors and also wear them on the bed. I just can't. I don't understand it. I will never understand it. The second part to that question, I guess like America is so creative. It's such a creative country. And that was something I didn't really have in Hong Kong. Everyone was really by the books. You know, it's not bad. It's just everyone was really by the books, playing it pretty safe. 
you know, like there is, of course, a lot of things that happen there, you know, like with art and stuff, but it's definitely, it feels different to be honest, you know, like being here and that sense of empowerment. Okay, I'm gonna interrupt here to say that if you found any of these topics interesting or relatable, please hit pause right now to give the show a follow and a rating. Or if you know of a friend who needs to hear what's being shared here, please take two seconds to message them this episode. It'd mean the world to me to be able to expand the reach of who this podcast could potentially help. And just like talking about yourself in a really positive light, body positivity, that is a huge one. I think that it really has kind of shaped me into a person that is a lot more just like aware of everyone else and like their their own feelings, I guess, because I feel like feelings is not something that is really like prioritized in Hong Kong, at least growing up. No one talks about it, you know, like when my parents and I get into a fight and I tell them how I feel, they completely shut down. They're just like, okay, well, then we just won't talk. And I'm like, okay, that's not what I said. <laughs> and yeah, I guess like being here, it's it's just made me a lot more vocal as well and not afraid to voice out what I care about and pointing out what is not right in my opinion. Yeah, and just being empowered to create th- uh, those conversations, you know, one-on-one being like, hey, that hurt me, you know? Yeah, so yeah. I guess that would be my answer to that question. Have you lived in New York the, these last six years? I've lived in New York for six years and then Pittsburgh for another four years. So overall, I've been here 10 years. Uh, okay, I moved gotcha. here when I was tw- uh, 17, yeah. And then do you plan on staying in New York long term or are there other destinations that you want to try living in? Yeah, I love I love New York. I would be interested in exploring LA for sure, but I don't think it's in my immediate journey, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. I love it here so much. I just feel like I'm constantly inspired here. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> what is like one thing your 80-year-old self would love about you today? This is my favorite like mindset question. I love asking this to myself in the mornings because I just think it's such a wholesome question. So I would love to hear what you have to say for this one. I also thought it was a super wholesome question because I feel like the only other variation, I've never heard this variation of this question before. The the variation I have heard is the one where it's like, what would your 80-year-old self, what advice would they give you now? Oh. And like, versus like, what would you advise like your, I don't know, five or 10-year-old self? So I've never heard the variation where it's like, what would your 80-year-old self love about you? So it is very empowering. I think that, well, okay, so for context, I feel like the meaning of life is to experience and it's to learn and it's to find happiness because I believe that if we find happiness, then we will naturally want to provide and contribute to society if we're in a state of happiness. There like with the exceptions of people who find happiness from like harming others, <laughs> like let's just <laughs> let's not like include that in this scope. Mm-hmm. But so yeah, given that I believe that life is meant to be experienced and part of like the your purpose in life should be to find happiness for yourself. Um, I think my 80-year-old self would love that I'm such an opportunist, that I seek ways to expand my perspective of the world. And that's part of like why I'm so passionate about conversations, conversations with people. I try to make friends without without consideration of like gender age or like background because I think there's something to be learned from everyone and also I want to experience as many lifelines as possible I feel like a great way to do that is through conversations obviously also absorbing like books movies shows um, and or like in the realm of acting like being able to play these like different lifestyles but there is a limitation on like time right to you're gonna have to dedicate like a certain a set amount of time to be able to like play this role and or like explore a certain career path but for me I feel like if I can talk to someone in a certain field that I have no experience in then it's almost 
as if I get to vicariously experience that potential career path that I don't personally have direct access to uh, myself. And so, yeah, I think that my 80-year-old self would be proud that I have tried my best to explore as many of these like alternative lifelines as I can. Because the other advantage, I think, that you get from speaking with many different peoples and absorbing different perspectives is that it's like a buffet. Um, You get to pick and choose like the best ideas. And there are things that will never naturally occur to you that other people would just like bring up because of their unique experiences that they would be like, oh, like, why don't you try X? And you're like, oh, I've never considered X. But like, that's literally so easy for me to incorporate x into my lifestyle i don't know why i didn't think about it so yeah i'm like i guess i truly just define myself as like a student of life so i'm always just like seeking novelty and ideas yeah you ask yourself this every single morning i really do because i think it teaches us to be gentle with ourselves and you know, lead with love the first thing and kindness, like speaking kindness to ourselves. And I think it's a perspective that sometimes is very easily forgotten. um, Because for me, especially because I am such an ambitious person, I am always hustling, you know, and I'm always seeking improvement and seeking change. And yeah, it's easy to forget that. So that's why I ask myself, this every morning. And today, I think my answer this morning, for this question was just being open and like, being open to like all the life changes that have like come my way and being so like, yes, and, you know, and kind of jumping on board because I'm not a spontaneous person. Like I'm such a planner. So yeah, some, that's something my 80 year old self would like love and be proud of for sure. Oh, how wholesome. Does your <laughs> answer change every single day then? Yeah, every single day, like something like that is more specific to how I'm feeling, I guess, just like, yeah, it doesn't have to be the same answer. It could be the same answer. But usually for me, it's a bit different every day. Because I don't know, we, I I feel different every day, you know, there are different things that sometimes you wake up sad. And sometimes you wake up like so energetic, and you're like, let's go. Yeah, so (laughs) that that was my answer for today. Yeah, for sure. That's so true. It reminds me of like, I'm doing this meditation practice and part of the meditation is gratitude with like different layers of gratitude. And one of, so like the three layers of gratitude is like just general gratitude that you have in your life within the last like 24 to 72 hours and then gratitude for your work and then gratitude for yourself. So it's kind of similar, I guess, um, with like the self-gratitude portion with this question and I guess it's true like I do change my answer day to day for the portion where I practice like self-gratitude like what am I grateful for myself today where did you get the inspiration for this question um actually one of my friends slash like mindset coaches she has a a module called awaken joy and it's a program and it's just like she's so wonderful and she's taught me so much so she that was definitely inspired by her like I will not take credit for it but yeah it's really changed my outlook I think because I used to be quite like a like a bitter person slash like self-loathing so that has definitely changed throughout the years for sure that's incredible yeah I feel like I've definitely made that transition to where I used to be someone who was more critical so yeah it's really nice that that I feel like access to these ideas and questions kind of exists on the internet now so that more and more people can be introduced this idea of like self-love and that self-love is not equal to narcissism Mm-mm, there's like a difference <laughs> yeah absolutely because you still love yourself and be confident in yourself and still have room for improvement you know like we're all evolving you know we're trying to become better every day like the best version of herself whatever that is but yeah I I also love how accessible it's been especially TikTok like (laughs) uh, what is it like self-development TikTok is one of my favorite like TikTok world to be on. Speaking of like personal development, I'm really curious to know if you take notes um, just generally speaking just take notes and if you do what is your note note taking style? Oh interesting I take notes, but like, what's the context? You know what? Like, is it more like, like, do I take notes when 
I'm learning. I definitely take notes when I'm learning, but like in life, if I have an idea, like I, I put it in my notes app. I use Notion, I guess. That's like my biggest like note taking app. I don't know. My notes are all so all like all over the place. Yeah, give Wait, us, I'm having okay, like a crisis right now. Oops, <laughs> I'm sorry. having a crisis. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, I'm gonna open my notes app because I definitely take notes on my iPhone. Oh, here, here's an interesting. Okay, so my first note that I just opened it says "fall back on bed, fall forward on bed, transition outfit." Okay, this is a TikTok idea. Uh, yeah. Yes. So if I get inspired, I jot it down like super briefly on my phone so I don't forget it. Yeah, and then once it's completed, I delete the note. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, yeah, but for like more specific things, you know, like let's say for my TikTok videos, I always write a script out. I guess that's not really note taking, but more like script writing. The short answer is Notion. I don't know why I went like 10 stops on that on my train. But now I'm like also curious to know, like what does a perfect day in your life look look like, like today? What does a perfect day look like? Hmm. Yeah. In my perfect world, I would wake up really early, <laughs> like 6 a.m. <laughs> Because I definitely don't do that. I am working towards that, but I don't do that. So I would wake up really early and I would definitely like start my day off with some like very grounding beverage. So whether it's tea, coffee, or even like Ovaltine, because I grew up with that, it would be that. And then nothing like crazy, really. I would definitely want to spend the day with my dog, Mochi, that's his name, and uh, my boyfriend, Matthew. And in a perfect world, like my parents would live really close to me and not like 8,000 miles apart. <laughs> but this, oh, that sounded like such a downer, but I'm seeing them next month after four years, so I'm in a really good spot. But yeah, and I think my perfect day would include like spa days and massages, a lot of like self-care things that like help me release, I think. And I would work on my perfect day. I would absolutely work on my perfect day, whether it's creating content or acting in a show. Absolutely. And then... Just like really good food and maybe seeing some like of my best friends and that's it. What about you? Okay, in my perfect day. Well, okay, as of like two weeks ago, I was doing a staycation here in Medellin, Colombia. So like we had just arrived in the city um, and then I decided to take like a week off of work. And instead of doing like crazy things, it was just like live my life here, get a lay of the land and not have to do like any work calls or anything. Just like being able to wake up without the pressure of having something fixed to get to early in the morning I am a morning person so I do actually naturally wake up around six so I think it's really funny that you said that um but I'm, I'm, like so, grandma, I'm so, so jealous <laughs> I go to bed at nine are you jealous of that like there's a lot of activities where it's like oh we're gonna do this thing at eight and I'm like that's cutting too close to my bedtime like <laughs> Wait, I love, no, I absolutely love that because I am, no, I would absolutely fall asleep at nine if I could. I love that. I love that. Like 11, 30, 12. It used to be 4 a.m. So I've really improved. Oh snap! Yeah, I feel like I feel like eleven thirty to twelve is very normal. I feel like that's like most adults our age. But I'm just like, nope, I'm in bed. Like, yeah, like I feel like. If it's getting closer to 11, then I'm just like, what's going on? I'm staying up all night. I naturally would get up early, um, probably like get a quick workout in because I find that very rejuvenating. I am currently taking some barista classes. So if I had like a home espresso machine, I totally would just like, you know, make myself coffee and practice my latte art. And then, yeah, just like meet up with a few friends too I would say and like have some wholesome conversations I love doing co-working sessions so like if I could mm-hmm. I would like meet up with some friends if it was like us you and me like we would meet up at a coffee shop you would edit your TikTok video and I would like edit my podcast or whatever so it'd be like productive but social I love that yeah. um, and then also like like being able to get out of the house of course like if I could, like hanging out with my sibling for a bit of the day, doing things that are also relaxing because I also find it a bit difficult to like unwind personally, but I think it's approved over time. So allowing myself to like play some chill video games or like read as well. What are you playing yeah. right now? 
it's really nerdy. I'm not really sure like if you know this uh, particular series, but it's called Professor Layton. Ooh, I've heard of that. Tell us more. Okay, yeah. So the majority of the video games I played as a child were primarily like mystery puzzle solving type games. For a computer, I played a lot of Nancy Drew. Like, yes, there's a computer game for that. So I played a lot of that. I had a Nintendo DS. Like that was my personal console growing up. And so I played a lot of Professor Layton and then Ace Attorney and all of it is just like a lot of reading visual novels it's like you're reading a lot and then you're like clicking options and I think I loved it because I was a little nerd so I just like loved solving mysteries like mysteries was my favorite genre for reading as a as a child like suspense I don't blame you I mean it's so exciting and thrilling and then when you figure something else before someone else does you're like aha Exactly. Wait, out of curiosity, do you do you watch TV shows a lot or no? So not really. I think it's just hard for me to sit down and consume entertainment. If I'm watching something, it's primarily a movie. If I'm doing TV shows, then it's it's got to be like my friends are with me and they've sat me down to like watch this thing because then in my head I associate it with it being like a social event so it's like it's not like me unwinding because again the context here is like I had a really hard time like chilling and therefore that extended into like consuming entertainment as well Um, because in my mind it was like if I have free time I'm not going to be watching a movie or like a tv show personally because why would I consume entertainment if I could create like as a creative like why Mm -hmm. wouldn't it be better spent if I'm like making my own art like I said I'm working on it so that I can like consume more because it doesn't make sense and it's not sustainable to be like turned on all the time it's very exhausting and like Mm -hmm. Yeah, you reach burnout very quickly like that. No, I totally get that. Yeah, but I feel like it's like whatever kind of works for you because it's like, you know, you don't have to consume if it doesn't work for you. And it's like not where that pocket where it's filling your cup you know yeah Yeah. I was just curious because there are a lot of like mystery tv shows out there and I was like wait (laughs) you said Nancy Drew I thought of Stranger Things for sure I've heard a lot of good things about that show but nope I have never yeah never dipped my toes do you consume a lot of tv shows considering that you're in the industry I I definitely do and I think that I consume tv shows for entertainment of course but also research because I find that (laughs) watching others act it helps me become a better actor like I recently watched The Dropout with Amanda Seyfried and she basically portrays Elizabeth Holmes you know with Theranos and like all the stuff that the scandal that happened and she was fantastic in that. I honestly didn't know Amanda Seyfried like could act like that you know what I mean like not in a bad way but like Up till now, all the roles that she's played has been super, like, kind of, like, in the stereotypical, like, Karen and Mean Girls, like, I'm a dumb, like, blonde. And then, like, Mamma Mia, where she's, like, super, like, fluffy and cute. Like, so it was really interesting to see her take on such a iconic person, I guess, in a very interesting way. But I love watching TV shows. Like, that's kind of my self-care as well. So what are your top favorite TV shows? Oh, that's so hard. Okay. (laughs) I would say I recently started and finished the first season. There's only been one season so far of Severance. It's on Apple TV. So that one is about taking work-life balance to a huge extreme. So once you enter work, your brain is severed. You can't access any of your personal life memories. And once you leave work, you don't remember anything about your work life or what you do in there. And it's a very separated premise. And it's very interesting because it explores. It sounds very Black Mirror. Yes, it absolutely is. Because, you know, it's like at what point do you like – actually fully lose like your consciousness you know like is there something that triggers it and explores all that stuff or it's beginning you know without being giving it away too much but it's definitely very interesting and I like I really love it because it makes you think I like shows that kind of make you think and that is definitely like very high on my list so far the second one is probably Alice in Borderland on Netflix it's a Japanese tv show and it was inspired by a manga, I believe. And it's very similar to Squid Game, but a lot better in my opinion, because it's a little bit deeper. Yeah, so that one is definitely a must watch in my book. And the third one is probably like Schitt's Creek. 
It's so good. So, I mean, a bit different. Like, it's comedic and it's funny and humor with heart. So, those are definitely my top three. Yeah. I feel like you just, like, explaining those kind of gave me an idea of like the breadth of the things that you watch too like with just three examples it yeah it sounds like you just enjoy like exploring the the breadth of like storytelling I think so that's really cool I don't know I love I love it so much and it's it's really a storytelling thing like I love I love exploring different narratives and even narratives that just feel like impossible you know like zombie apocalypse and things like that like I just think (laughs) it's so interesting to think about because a lot of these things like tied to like morality and I'm constantly like very intrigued by that you know like how far would you go in this current circumstance like what are you comfortable with and like what is right to you is not going to be right for someone else and yeah those are those are the questions I like to ask myself sometimes (laughs) I love it These are the questions I love exploring too. And I often like turn to my husband and I'm like, is it too much that like we always talk about like really heavy, serious things because I don't want to be like super heavy, serious all the time, but it's like literally the things that go through my mind, you know, it's like, this is how I think and this is what I want to think about. Wait, I relate so much because I'm like, wait, why is it always like so like high stakes, like in my head, I'm like. (laughs) you know like and emotionally like fulfilling to think about those things for sure yeah then if I think about like oh what would be the alternative to like speak more shallowly or like having a like a chat that's like more casual or more surface level more just like what we did versus like why we did it and like you know Mm -hmm. getting into the intricacies I feel exhausted at the idea and I'm just like nope I think I would just prefer sticking with like my really profound, <laughs> deep, like heart wrenching questions that are like, yep. yeah, might make me cry, might make you cry. Yep. Like, that's fine. Yeah, we're the same type of person. Yeah. I think in one episode, I literally laughed at when you were like, yeah, if they can't like hold a deep conversation, then like it's not for me or something. And I thought that was hilarious because I was like, wait, that's me too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like they can talk shallow things with someone else there's plenty of people who want to talk shallow things <laughs> I, li- I I kid you not I literally leave conversations like I literally just walk away because I'm like I have nothing else to add to this conversation like I I can't do it so I just walk away so I, I fully fully understand that 200% speaking of deep questions I need to ask you how do you define a stranger and at what point do they transition from being one to not being one? <sighs> this is such a layered and complex question that like, I don't know if I really have like a solid answer for because I think it's one of those questions I'm also kind of figuring out myself as, you know, days go by. But I'm also a huge overthinker, so maybe that's probably why. But objectively speaking, let's start there. If I have been personally introduced to someone I no longer consider them a stranger but it has to be like a mutual acknowledgement like I know of this person's existence and they know of mine so that is like how I would classify like the line above like we're crossing the line where we're not strangers anymore but that doesn't mean like you know we're close or have a connection or anything I just think it's like that line like hey you know. And it must be mutual. Yeah. I think it must be mutual because I I actually remember your your episode with your husband, I think, where you guys talked about influencers and yeah. you know, me being in the influencer world. I would not consider some bigger influencers I follow as not a stranger because like they don't know who I am. So for me, I think it's like a mutual, mutual thing where it's like we know of each other's experience. You said that's layered and it's true that this question is layered. You can go ahead and peel the layers and like give different contexts for how you want to like tackle. Yeah. Okay, wait, maybe like some context about me is that I guess like this has been a really, I guess like interesting question like ever since I stopped being like best friends with like my college best friend and it's kind of like really... I don't want to like mess with my head, but like, it's like, it's, it's, I definitely have like trust issues, I think. So I guess like, let's start at the bottom layer. So strangers. And then the next thing would be acquaintance, right? For me, at least like that's my next layer. And that is someone like, I would say I have like pleasant feeling towards, you know, I feel comfortable being around them in a social setting or, and, and even in some cases, like I have a lot of love and care for acquaintances, you know, like I don't particularly feel like we want to hang out all the time or, you know, engage in like deep conversations, you know, like 
But yeah, I would say like that is like an acquaintance to me. It's just like we can like exist in a very pleasant manner together in like the same room. But it's like not deep enough for me to consider it as a friend. Yeah. And then how do they cross over into being a friend? Silence. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to phrase this. Let's start with the non-negotiable. Like My non-negotiable for friendships is that it has to be like a safe space for both parties involved and drama free. Like if it's <laughs> missing one of those things, like I don't want to be friends with you because I'm too tired. <laughs> I'm too tired to deal with drama. I cannot. It changes for sure. Like as I get older, I think, you know, certain things I'm just like, I don't want to engage. But yeah, like friends are people who I would like hang out with, who I can like comfortably hold a long conversation with and people who I would feel comfortable like asking about the zombie question, like with no context at all. You know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't feel, like, awkward or anything being like, oh, they think I'm weird or whatever. But but, but then it also kind of gets complicated for me because the line between friends and close friends is, like, kind of, like, muddled for me a little bit because, like, I don't really engage in a lot of, like, surface-level friendships. So I don't, like, really know, like, where where that sits. The line between best friends and close friends, you know, then, like, that's distinct for me because it's, like, if you're my best friend, I will give you my kidney. So (laughs) I don't know. It's so layered. I completely agree with you because I also don't like to really engage in surface friendships. So for me, it's, like, if I consider you a friend, then you're already close. Like, you already are a close friend. To me, they're like basically the same thing. For me, there is also like a di- very clear distinction between like best friend and just like general friend slash close friends. Is there <laughs> any other definitive uh, highlights about who you would consider your best friend beyond like that I would give you my kidney? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so freaking dramatic. No, but legit, like my best friend. Okay, wait, so. I have a question for you. Like, do you think it's possible to have more than one best friend? Okay, so I think that, like, personally, no, it's not by, like, definition of, like, best. But I really like the idea of, like, favorite friends. Mm. Yeah, but I think it's also complicated by the fact that I'm aromantic. So given that context, for me, the longest time, the idea of a best friend is probably, like, the equivalent of like a normal romantic person's idea of like a romantic partner it's like exclusive like you're not unless I guess you're engaging in open relationships which is Mm -hmm. like a thing right most people would think that like your romantic relationship is exclusive so for me as like an aromantic person a best friendship is like is exclusive and very quote-unquote romantic like for me like I want to have a brotherhood or a sisterhood that is like my best friend. I want that more than like someone who would like kiss me and cuddle me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On theory, I absolutely agree with you, but then I also like have like a Hong Kong best friend. <laughs> I have a USA best friend. I guess my best friends are like by country. <laughs> No, I, I think yeah, I think that could work too because like like you said that there's like no wrong or right answer to anything no, in life. Yeah. It's just like however you want to arrange your life and like whatever works best for you too. And like also, I guess you might want to take into consideration to like the context for that friendship as well. Like, does your U.S. best friend like know that they are your U.S. best friend? And like, I'm totally cool that like Vivica also has a Hong Kong best friend and that totally makes sense. <laughs> or are they going to be like, what do you mean I'm not your only best friend? Like, I thought best friend was like exclusive. Like, right, you know, so right, I think there's also like that, <laughs> that context. <laughs> it's so normalized to have multiple best friends now, you know, and I think that's totally cool, right? Like you have certain friends for different purposes, you know, it's like sometimes one friend can't give you like every single thing you need. And I think that's the biggest thing I've learned is like, okay, so if I need emotional support, like there, you know, this friend is going to give me that and I can rely on that. And maybe this friend isn't as comfortable with that, even though we are best friends. So that's something I've definitely learned as well. I guess like childhood best friends, are they on a different level, would you say? Mm, I don't really know because I don't really have any <laughs> childhood best friends. That's okay. <laughs> um, I, yeah, well, I would say like the closest childhood best friend was like, I have this like I call her my sister now nowadays, but like she was my best friend in grade 
I guess, eight and nine. And then we started drifting apart. And like, this was something very interesting about my childhood too, was that like, I always had a best friend, but they would only really last a span of two years. And then it would naturally, the the friendship would naturally just like degrade. And then because of like, maybe the classes we were in, like we were no longer in all the same classes. So then I just naturally didn't spend as much time with them. And then someone else would kind of like, take over that role and it would just be like these two-year phases of like best friends transitioning um and so my best friend from like eighth and ninth grade we really fell out of touch because I like changed schools at one point and then like we just really didn't have the opportunity to hang out anymore and then she made the effort to like reach back out to me post-college and there was like a part of me at that point in my life where I was just like kind of nervous to reconnect because I was like, I'm so different now than who I was, like who you knew of me at that stage of my life. Like, what if we don't connect anymore? Like maybe this friendship doesn't even make sense. And so I remember being really nervous reconnecting with her, but I did. And like, And it was really interesting, like we clicked really, really quickly, even though we were very different people, like, you know, being an adult versus like middle school for us. And then now I think I visit her about like once a year because she lives in Austin, Texas, and I live in Dallas. And so um, it's a relatively easy drive. And like every time I visit her, we pick up our conversations, like there was no gap. And then the way that we kind of treat each other is kind of like sisterhood. Like she's always like, my place is like open for you, like, you know, and she's like always available to like pick things up where it's left off. And I'm just like, yeah, that's the type of friendship I'm looking for. Like the the sisterhood of like being able to be like, I take care of you and like we don't need to be in like constant contact because personally it's very hard for me to be in constant contact with anyone given my nomadic lifestyle. Personally, I prefer like real in-person hangouts. And so I'm running this virtual community and honestly, I'm struggling a lot because I suck at replying to things. (laughs) I hope that if I keep inviting people into the community, they'll naturally find someone who's like really proactive about online engagement because they just naturally engage online anyways, so they can kind of like pick up the slack. (laughs) I felt like I really derailed from your question <laughs> about like childhood no, friendship. No, that, that's like no. the best. That's the best example. And I have another childhood friend um, who was never really like my best friend, but like it's really precious that despite the disconnect that we've been able to keep this friendship. So like I would say that this person who has actually co-hosted an app, Sean, um, somewhat recently that like they're one of my favorite friends. I think they're definitely one of my favorite friends because like, being able to stay in touch after that sort of like time span and because people evolve and change the fact that he has been able to respect and like love slash care for me as like another human being throughout this time span I think that's incredible so I do think there is something to be said about like people that you can keep with you over a long time yeah well beautifully said thanks for Thanks for letting us in on that. Do you have any childhood friends? Yeah, I definitely do. I have a lot of like childhood theater friends. That kind of was very specific because I think we just eventually all found each other because we were all like, we love theater. We're a little weird and kooky. you know. <laughs> so I think that in itself is very, very special, especially because, you know, like theater isn't that big in Hong Kong. So... There's that, but then there's also like childhood friends who I've literally known since I was like seven. And then like this girl that I've known since she was born. She was a baby when I was two, I think. And then we were like neighbors. For some reason, it's so like warm and fuzzy. I guess that's the best way I can describe it. It is just like, it's like you're coming home to something. And it's like, again, and I think the biggest thing with friendship is like, you can't really describe it. It's just like, you know, like, you know, if it's a right fit or, you know, it's like, oh, this is this is something really unique um, and special to me. Yeah. So I guess that's why like that, the the question we, we just kind of like went through is so hard for me to answer because a lot of my ideas on friendship is based on feeling. And I think that having a feeling is often enough to know if something's right or not for you in life. 
and often to experience that feeling of, oh, this is a friend I was looking for, or this is a hobby I've always wanted to try but I didn't know that I needed, requires you to have the courage to try things out. So huge shout out to Vivica for sharing her experiences of how she's just simply tried things out, such as picking up her life to move to America at the age of 17, starting social media so that she can spread her message of healing through her content, being willing to share her story of her past friendship and how it's influenced her perspective on relationships in general today. It makes these things feel less intimidating when you know that someone else was willing to try and was able to manage just fine. If you live in New York City and want affordable recommendations for things to do and places to eat, you can follow Vivica on Instagram at hello, it's Vivica. And even if you don't live in New York City, her content is just a great source of inspiration for how to maximize your life. What did you think of this podcast episode? What are your personal thoughts on how to respond to the phrase, I love you? Or if you'd be more of a leader or follower in a zombie apocalypse, write to me on Instagram at don't be strangers. And that's also where you can find links to co-host an episode yourself, join our pen pals club, or any of the events that we have coming up. Sending you so much love, and as always, don't be a stranger.